0: Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello today, and it is my honor to welcome you to another episode of Maintain the Flame. I'm your host, Keith Collins, and as with every week, I'm blessed to know that people are listening to this program. We really believe that the Lord uses this program and wants to continue to use it to really awaken a fresh hunger for intimacy with Jesus in the hearts of those that are listening. We also pray that it's an encouragement to you as well as a challenge because I don't know about you, but I've been serving the Lord now for many years. Got saved when I was a teenager in 1985 and began ministry shortly thereafter. Started pastoring a church when I was 19, which is very young. But anyhow, been blessed by the Lord to be involved in so many different things. Traveled to dozens of nations and oversaw Bible colleges and have just really been overwhelmingly blessed. But even at this stage of my life in my mid-50s, I still need to be challenged in my walk with God. It has nothing to do with condemnation, but it has everything to do with self-examination as well as allowing the searchlight and the spotlight of the Lord to shine on my heart. You know, when David sinned with Bathsheba, committed adultery, and many of you know the, if not all of you know the outcome of his sins, even though the Lord forgave David, the repercussions and the collateral damage were severe, even down into his children, and David always felt the sting of that sin, even though by the grace of God he was forgiven. But if you read Psalm 51, that psalm is known as a penitential psalm or a psalm of repentance, and David cries out for a renewed fellowship with the Lord, but he asks God to do something, and I believe it's healthy For us to ask the Lord to do that in our own lives, not just at the first of a year, even though we are at the first of the new year, 2023, but all the time. And, And David asked the Lord to search him and to know him in the inner parts, in the thought life of David. And I believe this is a healthy practice. Again, it has nothing to do with condemnation, but how many of you know that conviction is of the Holy Spirit? Not only conviction that brings a sinner from unrighteousness to righteousness, but conviction that brings a believer from self-righteousness to righteousness. So I I pray that your heart is challenged, that it's stirred, that the searchlight of the Lord is shined upon our hearts, your heart, my heart, even as I share from week in and week out. And again, we just know that it's, it's the Lord that's opened this door for us. And again, we're just so thankful for those of you that are listening. And I do want to encourage you to do one thing. If you've not, um, subscribed to our, our program, Maintain the Flame, then please do so by by doing so and by rating us and writing a review it does help this program to get out to many many more people invite you to to share it with people so that they can hear what the lord is saying through maintain the flame so again thank you for being a faithful listener thank you to those that pray for us those that support us financially we are so blessed to have you as a part of our team and a part of what we're doing for the Lord around the world. So this week, I I told you um, a couple of weeks ago that, that I wanted to take the first of the year and begin to kind of look at a book that I wrote months ago. A few months ago, we finished this. It came out. I think it was around the first of November, something like that. It became available was available on Amazon, and I've got some copies that I've been taking with me to places that I speak and different things like that but But I thought it was important for me to really share some of the key themes of this book. So my intention is to begin to kind of go through some of the chapters of this book. I'm not going to read the book verbatim or anything. I would encourage you to get the book. I believe it would bless you as well as challenge you. And um, if you want the book, you can go to Amazon, and it is available there. Just go um, search Keith Collins Um, First Love Fire, and the book will come up, and you can click the link and buy the book in paperback. You can also get it um, via ebook through Kindle. So it is available, but I thought that the message of the book was important enough to where I needed to really reflect on the book, not so that I can sell books. I hope you hear my heart. To be honest with you, um, I usually end up giving more books away than I sell when I take them with me because I really feel like... The message is more important than the monetary sources or resources that come in, and usually those are used just so I can print more, so I can have them with me when I'm out and about um, traveling and and ministering and so forth. But um, the message really burned in my heart. Really, the, the title burned in my heart for a couple of years, and I actually had intended to write this book A few years ago, and ended up writing a couple of other books Samuel's Arising, and then another one called A World Without Absolutes. But this theme has kind of resonated in my heart for some time, and I felt a grace to go ahead and finish it this past year. And um, took a couple of two and a half months or so um, as far as my part writing, and then had someone that helped me edit it and, and get it in format to print and publish. But anyhow, I did want to take some time today and just share some key themes from the first chapter, and I, I feel like I need to go through the chapters, and maybe some weeks I'll go through two or three, but, but anyhow, I want to begin to share in the next weeks um, from this book because I believe that the Lord, uh, the Lord desires to awaken a fresh hunger and passion into the heart's Of those that are hearing this message and those that are tuning in to this podcast so again the name of the book is first love fire and then the subtitle that i used is simply this living a life of sustained surrender and to be honest with you when i first started serving the lord and walking with the lord i was a young teenager um almost 16 15 almost 16 and um you know everything was so new to me i i didn't really understand a lot of things but i had this radical encounter with jesus and my life was so transformed you know there was a a great preacher at the Brownsville revival that some of you have heard of his name was steve hill he was the evangelist the lord used in Pensacola, Florida, back in 1995, on Father's Day, when a great outpouring started that lasted five years, I was in the throes of that and was blessed to be a part of hundreds of those meetings and became, uh, um, you know, one of the leaders at the school and eventually became the president of the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry. But but Steve Hill was a great evangelist and he he had a real, um, you know, powerful delivery. The Lord really anointed him. To preach to the lost and also to preach to the backslidden or the compromised church, and but Steve would talk about being so saved, and that always um, you know stuck out to me when he would talk about that. And he mentioned it many times over the five years that he preached there. But basically, what he meant by being so saved was that the things of this world, as the old song says grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace and and it's the face of Jesus it's the 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 love that you have with Jesus that begins to dictate and motivate and inspire your lives and And as I have served the Lord now for years, and again, in my early years, I began to notice a pattern in the lives of many people, even people that had walked with the Lord 10, 20, maybe 30, 40 years. And that was that they lived a life of kind of up and down, spiritual. In other words, man, they were on fire for God one month and... The next month, it's like, where'd they go? I mean, they're no longer showing up for the prayer meeting. They're not attending gatherings, weekly gatherings. They're not um, involved in the outreaches anymore, reaching the lost. They they just kind of fall off by the wayside. And all of a sudden, maybe two or three months later, here they are back again. And they'll stand up and testify. And, man, this time they're going to burn for Jesus. And nothing's going to hinder that on and on and on and on and on. Now, let me say something. I... I have a pastoral heart um, you know I've, I have literally pastored uh, multiple churches over the last thirty seven years and even though my my delivery would probably be considered more um, prophetic or even apostolic as far as calling the church to deeper intimacy and preaching and teaching on prayer and holiness and revival and these these themes. Um, I definitely have a pastoral heart, and I have sat with many people. I do understand that people go through challenging seasons. So listen, there. there's no condemnation that I'm trying to convey today, but I found something out. There are mindsets that are entrenched and that are very prevalent in much of the church in this hour, especially in America and in the West, um, to where Jesus is... Not everything. He's maybe a main thing or a a big thing. Maybe maybe a main thing is not a right thing to say. But he's definitely a, a part of our lives. However, he's not our lives. He's not our everything. Now, understand. We live in a world. We have families. We have friends. We have entertainment. Some people like sports. I, I enjoy outdoors I enjoy fishing I enjoy hunting I enjoy you know hiking and and the woods and all those kind of things and 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 I enjoy my family I have seven grandchildren one on the way I'll have eight here in a few months and three daughters and son-in-laws and 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 we enjoy travel we usually try to go to the beach down in Florida once a year and we have a great time so understand that we live in a world that we have our humanity and that we have relationships and personality so don't misunderstand me when I'm telling you that Jesus has to be everything. What do I mean by that? I mean, he has to be the paramount reason for your existence. He he calls us to this radical relationship with him. And as I read Revelation chapter 2, and I'm going to read um, a few verses here from Revelation chapter 2, which is really the the, the crux of, of my book that I wrote, First Love Fire, and what I want to share about today. And and listen to, to Revelation chapter 2. Of course, John wrote Revelation on the Isle of Patmos off the coast of Ephesus. Um, however, of course, Jesus is the one speaking um, as he's, as he's addressing the churches, and John is writing what the Lord is saying. But listen to what he says here in chapter 2, verse 1. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. But I want you to feel the change in the narrative here. The it's, it's kind of like the wind completely shifts and goes the other direction. the The first three verses here there's commendation, there's there's um, um, a lauding of effort. There is. Almost a, a praise for the way that they have conducted themselves in this church, and they've they've got accolades that are that are very prevalent. I I said in my book that um, you know they are probably far and above what we see in many churches today. But in verse four, the Lord says, "Yet I hold this against you: you have forsaken the love you had at first, or you have." Left or walked away from your first love is what he's saying. And what does he say to do? Consider how far you have fallen, repent, and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, I tell you, when I read that, my heart is stirred, I am challenged, I don't feel condemnation. I do feel conviction, and I feel a necessity to review and to reflect upon my own walk with God. Now, listen, there is this aberrant mindset in much of the church, and there is this perversion even of the message of grace, that once we are in grace, it really doesn't matter how we live our lives. Can I tell you that that is completely unbiblical, Um it is um, a fallacy. Matter of fact, a dear friend of mine, Dr. Michael Brown. Some of you know Dr. Brown. He wrote a book that I would strongly encourage you to get. I and mean, I could spend time talking about his book, but he does a much better job than I can do conveying it here verbally. But he wrote a book entitled "Hyper Grace," and um, I would encourage you to go to Amazon, pick up that book, or go to his website and get it from there. Ask Dr. Brown. dot org. But dealing with the, the perversion of the message of grace. And, um, you know, there's there's actually, like you could read the book of Jude, I think it's Second Peter, that they deal with um, what theologians would call antinomianism. And they, they address this false teaching or this false perception that just because you're in Jesus Christ or you're a born-again believer— that there is nothing required of you in the areas of righteousness, of puritan, And we know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that it's nothing in ourselves that save us. However, salvation is salvation from something, salvation from sin, from destructive behavior patterns. It doesn't mean we're perfect overnight and we grow in grace and we experience discipleship. However, there is always the the danger of embracing a gospel that is another gospel not the gospel of the bible not the 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 teachings of the apostles and the teaching of the the early church fathers that that teach us to be holy as he is holy, to live lives that honor the Lord. Paul said to live or to walk worthy in Ephesians of the call. Actually, he repeats that theme in a few of his letters. But there is this this aberrant teaching, I believe, that has perverted what it means to be sold out to Jesus. And Jesus gives some very, very, very strong um. Uh, statements or strong messages when it comes to being his disciple. And he tells people that if you don't hate your father and mother and, and even your own self, that you cannot be my disciple. Now, that is very pointed and piercing, and it's what some people would call hyperbolic communication or a hyperbolic communication style. In other words, it's exaggerating a point in a way that it really gets the message across. Just like when Jesus said, if your eye offends, you pluck it out. If your hand offends, you cut it off. You're better off to enter heaven blind or maimed than to enter hell with a whole body. So in other words, that that's hyperbolic. However, it's hyperbolic intentionally. Because the Lord is trying to get a point across, and that is this. There's a danger in mixture, friend. So here we see the church of Ephesus, and again, I'm just kind of talking about this first chapter. I'm not going to read it, but but some of the themes that I dealt with here, I, I I pray they're coming through clearly to you. You see, there is a danger with with mixture, and what do I mean by that? Well, the church of Ephesus, on the surface, it looked like that they were... Stellar that they were um, faithful, that they were committed, but the Lord said, "You have left me. I mean, you have my appearance. I'm a mascot for you. Um, You love proper doctrine, on and on and on. However, you you're neglecting me. You're neglecting your walk with God. You're not stewarding an intimate lifestyle with me." He said. Repent, therefore. Repent and turn around and do your first works. In other words, return to your first love relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? I know, I know. I've been, again, in ministry 37 years. I know what it means to be faithful to the call of God and to neglect intimacy with the Lord himself. I know what it's like to be a stalwart when it comes to doctrine. Now listen to me. I believe in doctrine. We need proper doctrine. There's, there's nothing spiritual about being ignorant of truth. And we need to study, as the Bible says, to show ourselves approved. We, we need to be faithful um, Bereans of scripture we need to know the word of god i'm i'm a doctrine guy I'm, and i have a graduate degree and will be finishing a phd this year so i i am i I'm, I'm faithful to proper doctrine however my doctrine can be right my religious external practices can be right but on the inside i can be away from the lord in my heart Ephesus clearly had the external down to a T. In other words, to look at them, they're holy, they're pure, they're faithful, they're sound, doctrinally. I mean, they, they got it going on, as, as we say, um, where I'm from. But on the inside, friend, there's no passion for Jesus. There's no prayer There's no true worship, and they're just going through the motions, and here's the deception, and I put this in my book. Oftentimes what we do is we do more spiritual or more ministry activity in order to dull the conviction that we have because we are not spending adequate time with the Lord himself. Can I tell you what I found out? I get much more accomplished, and it's not really me, it's the Lord accomplishing His purposes through me, when I am spending deliberate time with the Lord Himself. Not only do I I see more happen or accomplish, but there's a, a grace, there's a flow, there's um there's um oil if I can use that word because we know of course oil represents the anointing in 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 the word of God but there there's a fresh anointing a fresh oil upon everything that's being done through my life and my calling and the ministry that that belongs to the Lord if I am faithful to him first then those other things that need to happen and that should be happening happen but they they come forth out of a divine intimacy with Jesus so some of you are deceived by your mixture. Some of you have a form of godliness, but you're denying the power that only comes through intimacy. It's like the the rich young ruler who, um, you know, the Lord... Dealt with him, and and he said, "Lord, I, I I've been faithful. I'm I've been faithful to the Ten Commandments. I I'm faithful to to the the Jewish feasts. All these things." Jesus said, "That's fine, and that's good." But he tested his heart. In other words, he's asking him, "Will you be my disciple? Will you really follow me?" And he said, "Here's what you need to do: sell everything you have and give to the poor." Now, what is Jesus revealing in the heart of this rich young ruler? He was revealing. The fact that this young ruler had mixture in his life. He was revealing that, that he was not fully sold out to Jesus. That's why Jesus is very clear when he says, if anyone comes to me, and, and I, I said this a few minutes ago, But I want to repeat it again He said If anyone comes to me And does not hate his father And mother Wife and children Brothers and sisters Yes Even his own life Cannot be my disciple Ouch friend, that is painful But what is the Lord Saying again here Friend there can't be Mixture in your life Many of you Have a lot of mixture You are more Dedicated to your ministry And the outward appearance And what people think about you Whether you're called To do this or that And that's more important to you than spending time with Jesus. Well, I want to I close. I've got a few minutes here before I pray, but I want to close and just share some signs of leaving our first love. What does it mean to forsake our first love? Well, let me, let me see if you recognize any of these, and I am reading these from my book here in chapter one. Jesus and Jesus alone is no longer the primary focus and desire of your heart. That's number one. That's a sign of leaving your first love. You find yourself substituting time with Jesus in prayer, the Bible, and worship for other things with little to no conviction. In other words, there used to be a drawing to Jesus. Now you substitute your time with the Lord, maybe with noble religious good works. Um, number three, you permit horizontal relationships such as Relationships, hobbies, careers, the things that happen in the natural to take precedent over the Lord and over time with the Lord. Number four. The sensitivity of God's presence and divine union with him that once knew that, that you once knew, excuse me, begins to wane and eventually becomes obsolete and only a fleeting memory. Number five, religious works. Begin to take the place of intimacy with the Lord. Often this activity will increase to attempt to dull the sting of conviction from a backslidden heart. I mentioned that a few minutes ago. Um, Number six right here. You develop a spirit of compromise that frequently turns into tolerance of sinful behavior. All the while adhering to religious practice. Especially so that others can see it and be impressed by your external holy facade. Number seven. You you've lost your burden for the lost and cease evangelizing and sharing your testimony with others. Number eight, your passion for deeper experiences with the Lord begins to wane. And religious practice, church attendance, the approval of man, and learned Christian behavior behavior takes its place. Um, number eight here, you or is that nine? It doesn't matter. But you lose your spiritual sensitivity and as a result a spiritual dullness begins to creep in. Friend, is that happening in your life today as you're listening to this? Next, you become defensive whenever your walk with the Lord is challenged, even if the challenge comes from God's word, and even if you feel conviction in the midst of the challenge. Now these are these are all very sobering things to consider, but again, I believe it's it reveals the fact that many people have lost their first love, and 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 really not lost, but they've they've left their first love. It's it, it, it's nothing that the Lord does, and you know, kind of back to the first of this program, what I was sharing. I I begin to realize pretty quickly in my early walk with the Lord that um, this pattern was prevalent in a lot of the church and people would come to a revival type meeting and get revived and on fire but it would wane and I I came to the understanding in my own walk with God that the reason that happens is because we cease to steward our devotion life into the Lord. Now, this is the first of the year. This is not something new. Many, if not all of you, have heard what I'm sharing right now in some way or another but friend, if you don't have your walk with God in in order, and you're not spending time with Him, you cannot grow. You cannot. You might you might grow intellectually and even theologically, but you cannot grow spiritually, and you cannot grow deep roots in intimacy with the Lord. There is a call right now for the church to return to her first love, to allow the lesser lovers and the idols of our hearts to be toppled, to to ask ourselves: Are we drunk on the spirit of this generation? Are we drunk on modern entertainment? Has the things of this world eclipsed our hearts and our passions? And has Jesus become just a part of our lives that we, you know, compartmentalize the way that we do our jobs and our hobbies and our careers and and all these kind of things? And friend, if, if that's you, then you need to repent. If that's me, I need to repent. And 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 I want to take this last few minutes or these last few seconds and and pray. Father, I I ask that you would awaken our hearts today. We humble ourselves and we say, Lord, may we return back to our first love. Lord, we, we repent, forgive us for our sin, forgive us for our hyper Christian activity void of intimacy with you. And Lord, stir passion and hunger for personal revival in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, I'm going to continue with my book info and book chapters next week. But listen, thank you so much for being a part of this program today. Visit us, keith-collins.org impact or impactgf.org. and again thank you so much for praying with us if you'd like to stand with us and partner with us financially there's places to give on both of those websites we love you we we know that god is for you we know that this year is going to be amazing there's going to be challenges as in every year however the lord is faithful to his own And if you give your heart to him and walk with him, he'll make himself known to you. God bless you, and we'll see you again next week on Maintain the Flame. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, Then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.